We have talked for weeks about ships, and I know what you're thinking. When is he going to shut up about ships? And we're almost done, but today is necessary because we've talked about ownerships, relationships, who to invite on the ship, who's allowed the rules on the ship, captain of the ship, walking the plank. We've done all the things, but there's one thing that you can't leave a discussion about ships without talking about first. Absolute must. While you're thinking about what that is, quick commercial break. I've just, I just pulled an audible. I just pulled an audible. Um, tonight, discipleship class, let's not meet tonight. Uh, we'll meet uh, the following week, but we will not meet uh, tonight. So, um, thank you. Announcement over. Pirates. Pirates. So if we're going to talk about ships, we've got to talk about pirates. Because that's like the most interesting thing about ships, right? When you look at how ships were uh, built, how they're still built, they always have to keep in mind pirates. Now, what do pirates do? Yell it out. Okay, good, good, good. They come to steal. Pirates are taking something that does not belong to them. What specifically do they steal? Okay, gold, but if you've watched Jake and the Neverland Pirates, it's always in a nice, neat little wooden chest. And, and these kids are picking this up, and I'm like, you know how much that would weigh if that were full of gold. Like, you guys, this is not reasonable. They steal your treasure. Pirates always come to steal your treasure. Now, the interesting thing is, in this ship, the kingdom of heaven. You have a treasure that can't be stolen, yet the enemy, the pirates, are stealing your treasure. How could this be? I'm glad you asked. That's what we're going to talk about literally the rest of our time, okay? So, can they steal your salvation? No, that's not for anyone to steal. That's between you and the Lord. Can they steal the Holy Spirit? No. So what can they steal? Go with me in the Bible to Luke. Luke chapter 8 as you go. And we're on the open seas with a boat. I'm telling you, it's low budget, but this is classy. This is classy. I don't know online if you're getting the same experience, but it's very nautical in here right now. Luke chapter 8, if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. If you sinned this week, we all did too. No one expected you to come in here a Bible scholar. No one expected you to come in here perfect. Nobody expected you to know where Luke is in the Bible, okay? You're in the right place. If you didn't walk in here a Bible scholar, that's okay. We all need 
Jesus. So in fact, we don't even know if you have a Bible. We would love to give you one. As you exit today, we have Bibles for you. They are free, and it is our joy for you to take this. Not a burden for us. It is our joy. So please take one. We just want you to, to, to go home and read it. So take that note section maybe you, you got on your connection card today. Write some things down and, uh, and, and go check it out. Go, go read what we're going to talk about. I'm in Luke chapter 8 right now, uh, verse 35, but I've got to give you some of the story, okay? This hit me hard this week. We're going to do a, a little different message this week. Um, but when Jesus came, he starts his ministry at about age 30. At some point, he gets in a boat. He goes to a place. When he arrives, he finds a man who is there. Now, the Bible says that this man is possessed not just by a demon, but by many demons. And so the people of this fair land have tried to bind this man, and they would put him in chains, yet he would break the chains. And he was not in his right mind. And so he would stay in the, in the tombs. He would stay where no one was, and he would, he would yell out, and he would cut himself, and he was, he, he was strong, but he was crazy. He was violent at times, and he was completely out of control. And when Jesus came, the demons, the spirits that were in this man recognized Jesus for who he was, and they cried out, Son of man, what have you come here to do? And so they begged him, cast us out into, into this herd of pigs that is over here. And so Jesus cast all the demonic presences, all the demonic spirits that were in this man. He cast them out into a herd of pigs. And this herd of pigs went wild and just ran into the ocean. And you're like, that's a cool story. Not if you're a pig farmer. And so the people were like, can you imagine? Like this, whatever just happened was weird. And they run into the city and they tell everybody. And everybody knows the crazy dude that lives there. Like nobody goes there. Nobody goes there. Because if this guy comes down on you, you ain't making it out alive. And so this is sort of an urban legend for the city, I'm sure. You can't go over by the rocks. <laughs> there is a crazy man that lives there. And they hear what's happening. So the city runs out to see what has happened. And this is where we pick up in Luke chapter 8, verse 35. Then people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man's, the demon. And found the man the demons had departed from, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So much we could talk about this. But, but I, I had a discussion with a friend. I felt like the Holy Spirit put something on me and I just couldn't shake it this week. And so there's a word in here that really caught me. And I did something that I, I almost never do. Uh, we're going to just follow this word through the Bible. Now, you guys be careful of that. And, and I'm saying that for myself as well. Uh, when I, I'm just letting you know this. When I prepare a sermon uh, that is over a topic rather than over a passage, it takes at least twice as long. Because I have to know that every passage I'm not taking out of context. I have to read large sections of this passage before I use a passage so I don't take it out of context. And that's where you get into weird teaching. 
uh, people are, are taking things out of context. And so uh, I almost never do this, but I'm doing this today. But many of your Bible translations, and they all go back to the original language and put it in their language. And so uh, your Bible translation, I'm sure, is fine. Uh, I'm using the CSB. That's what's going to be on the screen with me today. But it says that he was dressed and in his right mind. Many of yours will say, and he was sober-minded. And this is the problem. Pirates can't steal my salvation. They can't steal the Holy Spirit. But sometimes they come and they steal my right mind. Sometimes they come in and steal my sobriety a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I must be the only one. Sometimes I feel crazy. Can I get an amen from anybody? Some of y'all said it because you think I'm crazy. Some of you said it because you think that you feel crazy. But sometimes I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going nuts. I'm consumed. And so I have these pirates that, that board my ship, and they can't take my salvation. But the only way that they can try to take my treasure is to take me out of my right mind. And some of you got pirates on your boat right now. You are like, give me the microphone, I'm going to confess. I got names. (laughs) No, 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 no. Some of you got pirates right now. And they're stealing the sobriety of your mind, taking you out of your right mind. I'm so consumed that this is all that I can think about. Hopefully I have your attention. I'm going to talk to you, and as I track sober-mindedness. And this has nothing to do with alcohol. This is, uh, th- this is, this is being in your, your right mind, okay? I'm, gonna, I'm going to track the pirates that are going to steal your mental sobriety, and, and we're going to find five pirates. And this is why you need to take notes today, because for many of you, and I won't stay a long time on each one, because for some of you, you'll say, that's not where I am, but I guarantee, well, I don't know that I guarantee, some of you are just absolutely perfect. <clears throat> so, for some of you, maybe only one of these apply. But I think one or at least one uh, will supply. So, so go with me and write down Scripture. Go read for yourself. Go meditate. The Scripture is meant to be meditated on, dwelt upon, read and studied. So I want you to do that. So write these things down. Write them on your hand. Type them in your notes section on your phone. Or if you've got a connection card, write it down. But pirate number one. Problems. Duh. I'm talking about physical, financial, possessional. I don't know if that's a word, but it is today. Problems. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The pirate, problems. The solution, Set your mind on Jesus, not things. I'm talking about problems as it relates to stuff, things. Do not set your mind on the things, set your mind on Jesus. If your hope is in things, your life will be a roller coaster because things will come and go. Things will come and go, and they are not always meant to be your everything. They're just meant to be a thing. 
I didn't even get a head nod. Man, y'all lost sleep last night. Okay, I knew this was going to happen, so I brought a friend. Here we go. I'm back. Now, this is a thing in your life. All right? This is a thing in your life. Now, let's take a survey. Just shout it out. What kind of animal is this? I say llama, the tag says burrow, donkey. Lies. That's a llama's looking donkey. That's a, that's a hybrid right there. Now, we have things, and you know what this is. This is a pinata. You know, you know the purpose of a pinata. But if no one had told you the purpose of a pinata, you would say, oh, my weird llama donkey. It's mine. I love my llama donkey. I'm going to hang on to my llama donkey. And people keep coming at it. And, and you come at my llama donkey with your bat, and, and we're not friends anymore. This is mine. You can't have my llama donkey. And this is my possession. I'm holding on to it. God gave me this. Right? Now, that sounds silly. That sounds silly because you understand that to fully enjoy this possession, you've got to find out what? What's inside? And what's... That was awesome. I thought it was going to take a lot more work than that. Okay? So what's inside is meant to be enjoyed, right? I should have hit it towards y'all. I should have. I knew. I let the naysayers keep me from doing destructive things. Okay? No, it's a borrowed facility. And listen, look how much joy. Oh, I got you right there. Look how much joy comes out of this, but I'm trying to hold on to it for my possession. And God says, that was never the intention of the possession that I gave you. You were supposed to use that to bless other people, but you, you handled what I gave you closed-fisted. Church, we are supposed to live open-handed, and so things will come and things will go as we live open-handed, but it will be a blessing to be a blessing. And as long as I try to hold on to my possessions and tie myself to possessions, I'm literally losing the friends that I was supposed to bless. And so this pirate comes and says, that's your llama donkey. That's your car. That's your house. That's your time. You can't serve. You can't go to Ecuador because that money was meant to upgrade your rims. Not to go bless a nation. And so, literally, our possessions possess us. Our possessions begin to possess us because we haven't put them in the rightful place. Now, if I, if I bring up a child and I give that child a $100 bill and I say, there you go, and I send them out and say, oh, by the way, give that to the kid beside you. They really need it. That kid's going to be bummed because he just lost $100. Now, if I say, hey, I need you to come hand this to the kid beside you, it's a blessing 
to be a blessing. It's the same scenario. The only difference is how I view the $100 bill. When I view things as mine instead of the Lord's, it's sad to let them go. When everything that I have is used for the Lord, it's a blessing to be a blessing. Don't let possessions be a pirate that comes to steal your sobriety, your rightness of mind. We are freaking out about stuff that was never supposed to be in our lives long. That pinata was made to be destroyed. And, I mean, I don't want to brag, but it is destroyed. And how fun was that? I could have hung that backstage. I could have put that in storage for months and never had to break it. But you wouldn't have gotten a fun size Snickers. The irony is the only thing that you have control of, listen to this, Think about your possessions. Think about all these pirates that we'll talk about. Uh, as I may say this again, the only thing that you have control of is you're trying to control your possessions, as you're trying to control income, as you're trying to control streams, as you're trying to control your job, is you. This is the only thing in here today that you have control over. Things will come. Things will go. Sometimes you have no control over it, but you have control over your response. The church, you need to hear this this morning. The only thing you have control over is you. So the only one who can steal your joy is you. Don't you hate preachers sometimes? Live open-handed. Don't set your mind on stuff. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Over and over and over. Set your mind on the Lord. Set your mind on the Lord. Set your mind on the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to issue you some, some homework this week, okay? Philippians chapter 4. I do this all the time. And when people take me up on it, they come back and they're like, God, that was so good. Philippians chapter 4. I want you to write it down. Write it on your hand. Commit it to memory. Go home. If you need something to read this week, read that. Especially the second half of the chapter. Live by that. That has kept me from the proverbial edge a thousand times. Philippians chapter 4. Pirate number 2. And these are going to seem really vague. You're like, I don't even know after you list things and people. I don't know what, how you're going to come up with three more. But, oh, we will. Uh, pirate number two is people. Pirate number two is people. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. Scripture is on the screen. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. See, there it is again. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. People. The pirate are people. And so they just come and they be all people-y, and then they steal my people. And before I know it, I really just like dogs. And I love dogs, but it doesn't mean I don't like people. We get so sick of people that we forget that we are people. And everything that you have against someone, someone has against you because you are people. So careful with the people language. But here's my question. Jesus came to the earth. God himself comes to earth to die for you. When? 
when you were at your worst. So before you go hating on people, did Christ's love only? Who deserved it? Literally, that count is still at zero. (laughs) He did not come to love only those who deserve it. And as we model, as we mirror, as we mimic, as we are the moon and he is the sun, we too are to love those who do not deserve it. Easy peasy, right? Did Christ die for you when you deserved it or when you needed it? So, (laughs) I got a sigh. I love it. So, the person that you are just like, roid rage in the car, like, goodbye, I'm just going to lunch. And then you don't even go to lunch. You just sit in the car and cry. That's the one who needs you the most. I don't like preachers either, okay? And that's a joke, by the way. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9. I'm going to do this. We already read this. 9. Be hospitable. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Be hospitable. But there are some people who do not receive hospitality. And for them, I would give you Colossians 3.23. Here's what it says. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Why would he say that? Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done. And there is no favoritism. So whatever you do, don't do it for people, do it for the Lord. But also doesn't God want us to do things for people? Yes, but think about it like this. Whatever you attach your heart to is going to rip out your heart if it leaves. So I attach my heart to the Lord who will never leave me, he will never abandon me, he will never forsake me. And then through that overflow, I pour on to people. And so if they leave, if they deny, if they reject, it has not torn my heart out. I love as Christ has loved me, but I love Jesus even when someone isn't deserving of love. Christ came and blessed the people who were literally murdering him. And he looked to the Father when he did it. Now, he looked on us. He's better than us, okay? Let's just say that. But he was communicating with the Father the whole time. He has a lot of undocumented prayers, and I can't imagine what he would have said about me. You guys have been wronged. And so this is hard to say because I know some of your stories. It's very hard to say love those who are undeserving of love. And it's cute from stage. But you've had some things that have hurt you beyond what anyone should ever be hurt. And for that, I'm sorry. The only solution I can offer you is to sit and cry with you. And I'm happy to do that. But let me ask you this.
if you are filled with hatred, how often will they hurt you? And the answer is every day. You need to stop allowing some people to hurt you. Because in many cases, your hatred is causing greater harm than the initial act. Causing harm to those who you love, and you, and your relationship with God. Church, we've got to forgive. You are going to judge me for this next story. There was an older fella in a church that I served at. I was very young, started in ministry. I didn't know the guy. His name was Joe. And Joe was, was very old. Like Joe was like, tell you what Moses looked like old. And so the, the, the church that I began to serve in, as, as often happens, unfortunately, there was indiscretions in some of the staff members and I was livid. Have you ever just sat in the shower and put it on hot and just shadow boxed the shower walls? Just headbutt the tile off of the shower surrounding? Some of you are looking at me and get barely giving me a nod because you're like, yeah, I'm crazy. But I don't want everybody to know I'm crazy. I was so mad. And old man Joe came up and said, you got to let it go. It's only going to hurt you. And I was like, hey, Joe, 4,000 B.C. called. They want you back. You know, like totally I disrespected him. I was, I was, I, I was respectful on the outside, but in my heart I disrespected him thinking, what do you know? Oh, boy, was humility about to visit. See, Joe's daughter had been murdered 30 years ago and the trial was continuing and they were a month away from closing the 30-year trial over the murder of his daughter. And upon further investigation, he allowed hatred to come in to the point where it nearly destroyed him until Christ came in and allowed him forgiveness. And then he was able to turn around and bless his family and bless others. And I pray to God I had never have to know forgiveness like old man Joe. So his words carry a little more weight now. Because the most horrific thing that I could imagine happening in my life happened to him and he had to choose to not let it happen every day. Hats off, old man Joe. You're a better man than me. And I hope that we can all learn <laughs> not to let what someone has done to you continue to control the rest of your life. Forgiveness. Don't let them keep winning. Not one more second. When we hold on to hatred and we deny forgiveness, this is what it's like. It is like mixing a little cocktail 
with poison, and, and this kind of is, this is like diabetic poison. And so we, we mix our cocktail, and we put it in, and we shake it up, and we look at the people that we hate, and then we drink it, expecting them to die. That is the story of our hatred. It only kills you. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Don't let hatred keep you from growing in your relationship with Jesus. Don't let the enemy keep winning. That pirate will rob you every day if you'll allow it. I say that with great humility, knowing that you have gone through horrific things. John 6, 14. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Don't tie your mind to people. Tie your minds to Jesus. Okay. That's heavy. Pirate number three. The Satan and demons. Oh, you didn't think of that one, did you? You know some of the stuff that you're going through is just plain old spiritual warfare. You know it? You come in and you try to change generations and you try to be the one to lead your entire family out and the enemy will not take it setting down and there will be spiritual warfare. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. There it is again. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he may devour. What is the solution? Be alert. Just real quickly on this one. Look up from your phone on occasion. Okay? Man, you've got to look up. You've got to spend some quiet time. Some of you are going to be really impressed with how creative you are if you will just go on a walk without your phone for a minute. This is not an anti-cell phone bit. I have a phone. I work on that sucker. Okay? It's, it's there all the time, but sometimes you've got to abandon it. Sometimes you've got to abandon uh, video games, whatever it may be that is sucking away your time so that you can spend time with your family, spend time alone with God, because if not, you will lack alertness and Satan will sneak up on you. And when he pounces, he destroys. Lions kill their prey. Even if you're shooting them, a lion kills its prey 80% of all charges. That's with dudes shooting them, okay? Satan is like a roaring lion. So don't just go to church. Be the church. Spur someone on. That's how we stay alert is we're here encouraging one another to pull our heads out of our stuff, whatever we're doing. Pirate number four, false teaching. Yes, I mean you, YouTube. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship 
Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. False teaching is a pirate. And the solution, the way to get rid of this pirate, is remember your calling. What has God put you here to do? Don't run far from that. Because whatever you're running into is not going to take you in the right direction. You control your mindset. You control what you believe. So when you look too closely into one person's ministry, one person's ideas, one person's thoughts and views, one person's political candidacy, can, 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 one person's politics, uh, you can get led astray. Not me. I'm independent-minded. I'm a thinker. I'm a free thinker. You're a human. And we can be led astray. Don't give the ministry that God has called you to do to others. And when I allow someone too much influence spiritually in my life and I go to someone for advice rather than going to God, rather than going to the Scripture, I begin to mock and mimic what they're doing instead of what God has called me to do. I have given the ministry that God has chosen me to do to someone else, and it is unhealthy. It is unhealthy. You've got to do what God has called you to do. You may do it a little differently than others, but have Scripture to back it up and walk confidently in what God has called you to do. Now, can we still read books? commentaries? Can we still listen to motivational speakers? I read books by non-Christians all the time. I read all sorts of things. I listen to podcasts and all those things. But if anyone has too much influence, if I give my ministry over to someone, it will cease to be what God has called me to do. Have your own faith because others may steal your right mind. What do I mean by that? If you give me long enough, I will fail you. If you give me long enough, I will fail you. (gasps) Is this this a Freudian slip? Is is he trying to tell us? No, I have no sin that I'm living in. I have no sin that I have even made that I haven't confessed that I know of. But if you give me long enough, I will not call you back. You will tell me something very important and I will forget about it. I will drop the ball on you. And if that destroys your faith, that's your fault. Because you put too much hope in a man. Don't tie yourself to people. Don't follow false teaching. Go to the scriptures. Have your own relationship with God. You're not going to get in heaven as a plus one. got to be your own relationship with Jesus. Number five, living in the dark. For you are all, I'm in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 8. For you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. There it is again, sober-minded, self-controlled, right mind. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. The solution for this pirate living in the darkness is what? Be a Christian walking in the light. Your Bible, the Word of God, that is the light. Be walking 
in the light. And I ask you this. Could it be that there is a lie that is keeping you in the dark? And I won't go through it because I don't have time, but do you know that God lists at least seven things that He says, if you do these things, I will not hear your prayers. Not, I won't answer your prayers. Not, I'm frustrated with you. He said, I will not listen to your prayers. I will not even entertain. Why? Because you have something that you're doing that is against me blatantly, and you know it. And so we could be... Listening to false teaching, believing a lie, doing something that God clearly tells us he does not accept. And uh, the pastor told me I'm going to hell. This has nothing to do with heaven or hell. I said God answering your prayers. I'm talking about being a frustrated Christian. If we walk in the darkness yet claim to be in the light, it's going to lead to a very frustrating life. And so I say this not condemnationally. It is out of my pay grade. And quite frankly, I don't want to be anybody's judge. But I want you to be... Sowing seeds and harvesting the seeds of righteousness. I want you to be filled with the Spirit instead of frustrated that this seems to be working for other people, but I try to follow God and it doesn't. If we walk in darkness and claim to be in the light, we're going to be frustrated. There is a judgment that is coming. And I don't, again, just mean heaven and hell. I mean, you have a good father that is eventually going to say, enough's enough. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Don't fear the light. And that's the problem. We fear the light because, because it exposes. And so I try to stay in darkness when I do the wrong thing because I can hide there. And so we fear the light. And so we begin to fear the light for the light itself. The light isn't the problem. The light only exposes the problem. Don't fear the light. Listen, when, when I have been less than desirable in the eyes of my Lord and Savior, one of the last things that I want to do in the entire world is to pray. Because the last person I want to talk to is the Almighty God to tell him how insignificant and how futile I've been. But see, the first place I need to go is the light so that I can see the reality of what's going on. See, he's not the problem. I'm the problem. He's just exposing what's already happening. So the light is nothing to fear. The light is for healing. And so people look at it as, well, God is just so condemnational and judgmental. No, God exposes what is already going on, and then he lifts you through it. It's why we go to him. I can see my way out when I go to the light. Don't fear the light. Worship team, I want you all to go ahead and come up. In every situation, I want to make sure that I get these right. And many of y'all, just in case you're writing down notes and you missed this, here's your pirates. You've got possessions. You've got people. You've got the Satan demons, spiritual warfare. You have false teaching. And you have living in the darkness. In every one of these things, the only thing that you can control is you. If you are trying to walk around micromanaging the world, making sure that no one sins, that no one does wrong, that no one ever comes down on you in a way that's less than desirable, you will be a miserable, miserable human. The only thing that you can control is you. So don't give the enemy control. You have 
a treasure that the pirates cannot take. Amen? You have something when you are in the kingdom of God that no man can steal from you. The first martyr, Stephen, looked up and smiled and said, I see the heavens opened when they were holding rocks to smash the brains out of his head. He sees the Father coming because he couldn't control them. He could only control himself. And in that moment, he had faith that his Lord was going to come through. In the midst of stoning, and we can go through, man, you can read Fox's Book of Martyrs. We can go through all the times when the only thing that Christians had control of was themselves. And under severe persecution, they said, it is well with my soul. Church, stop letting these pirates steal your sobriety. Stop allowing them to steal your mindset. Set your eyes on Jesus every day. Wake up with Scripture. Wake up praying. You're not reading it all. You get on your Bible app, do a verse of the day. That's fine for a little bit, but some of y'all have been doing verse of the day for three years. It's time for you to do like maybe more than a verse. And I'm not saying you're a slave to it. Here's what I'm saying. Read until you've read. Read until you've met with God. Pray until you've prayed. Pray until God has heard your heart. Lord, bless the bunch as we crunch the lunch. Ain't going to cut it. Go to church. This is a building. This is that we are just allowed to be in here. This is an auditorium and it's awesome. You are the church. Go to church. Meet with the church. And be the church. You can sit in the doors, in the presence of a church all of your life. And until you follow Jesus, you're not a follower of Jesus. Read your Bible, pray, go to church, be the church. This is how I set my mind on Jesus. And then possessions can't steal my joy. Amen? And then people can't steal my joy. And false teaching will not steal my sobriety. Satan and all of his schemes and all of his warfare will not steal the soberness of my mind that is set on Jesus. Living in the darkness will be something that I don't try to hide from Jesus, but something that I give to Jesus. Set your minds on Christ. Because in this boat, nothing can steal your joy. I need to shut up for a second, but some of you have lost more dearly than I could ever imagine. And when I say in this boat, nothing could steal your joy, that is a sick, twisted, you can't even call it a joke because it's not funny. But see, God formed Adam out of the dirt, and then he breathed the Spirit into Adam. And the hope of a Christian is that that Spirit inside of me will be forever, will live forever. That's why I tell my friends, my family, about my Savior, because that Spirit will be in this boat. Do you see, this boat has not arrived at its destination yet. And some of you have people that you've yet to see. You won't see them for a while. But if, if, if they have... If they have committed their ruach, wind, spirit, 
to Jesus, we will see them again. It is intangible. It is untouchable. And no one can take that. That's why I say, in this boat, in this boat, no one can steal your spirit. Jesus, we offer ourselves to you. We pray that you will be with us, that you will bless us, Father. We pray, God, that you will show us these pirates that have claimed to be our friends. We show us these pirates that live in our mind, God. I pray that you will expose that, that you will bring the light and you will expose that, Father, and that we will live according to your word. God, I know there were bad days. You never said there wouldn't. In fact, you said that there would be bad days. And God, I pray for those in here who have not just had bad days, they've had really bad days. God, I pray that you will lift their spirit. I I, I pray that you will show them something well beyond this tangible place and give them the encouragement that this ship is headed to paradise. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, and we praise you because you're the only one who can do this. God, it was, it was so long for me to even believe that there could be a paradise, but you have shown me through your kingdom. Praise you, God. Lift our spirits to be with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, the worship team is going to do one more song. And baskets are going to come up. Drop that connection card in there. Better yet, prayer team. Who's on a prayer team this morning? I need you to stand up. I need you to stand up. I would be looking for those that are stand up. I need you to find these. This prayer team is going to come. In fact, why don't y'all go, go ahead and come up here now. This prayer team is going to come up to the front. And you say, you know what? I got a pirate that's still in my joy. Nobody's looking for a confessional this morning. We just want to visit with you. We just want to be the church. We just want to love on you this morning. So they're going to be here. You can come during the last song. You can come after service. We don't care. Get their phone number and say, I'm too emotional to talk right now. Call me later. That's what a church does. So we want you to take advantage of that. But would you just meet with the Lord as we do this? Baskets are going to come forward. Throw that card in there. Tithe an offering. That's part of the way that we worship as believers. Throw that in there as well. But meet with the Lord this morning. Please stand and worship with us.